0: I told you before that, like, my toilet is out of commission, right? And for the weekend. And uh, anyway, let us say the drain pipe is the problem. And it's not going to get fixed until Monday. So this morning I had to go to, like, my friend's house to poop. And on the way there, I was like, maybe I could, like, sing myself, like, a poop song for, like, this, you know, this new thing that I got to do over the weekend, and um and for some reason Madonna came into my head, and it was just seemed oh, it, it just seemed thanks. like so easy, and it's just like, yeah. poop is a mystery. Everyone must poop alone. I hear it call my name, and I must. Run home.
1: <laughs> I was just about to join you. <laughs> I realized you didn't know the words to your song, but I knew the truth. it feels like... <laughs>
2: well... Uh, nice to have an opening with bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should offer this as, like, a, a, a bona fide cover.
0: Maybe, yeah, yeah. I feel like I was on my bike. It's like a 10-minute, not even 10 minutes, like, 7-minute bike ride. And I, for some reason, I just started sticking on the way there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: first thing that comes to mind. I wonder what Madonna would say if if you told her. Like, if you wrote to her and you said, Hey, Madonna, Mm -hmm. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. I adapted one of your songs. I have a new cover I would like to propose.
0: I feel like she's got so many exciting things happening in her life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: I think she's writing. I think she's writing an autobiography or something. Right now. Another one. I got an Instagram poll um, somewhat, somewhat recently looking at her content and it was bizarre and thrilling and boring and exciting all wrapped into one.
1: Mm-hmm. Very
2: strange. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's bizarre. Some things don't change at all and other things change
1: completely yeah huh <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right starting deep all right on that
2: note <laughs> i wasn't sure if we were gonna go uh, we were gonna go to poop town or not but here we are <laughs> away, <poop> Town, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> It's unavoidable.
0: Unavoidable. Yeah.
2: Unavoidable. Oh, that's a good name. Um yeah. So here we are, Samuel, episode two.
0: Episode two. Episode two. uh... (laughs) Welcome to the Sound Digressions podcast. Where Monique and Samuel we talk about different things that uh We've encountered over the last few days, and um, and try to see. Well, try to uh, talk a whole podcast.
1: <laughs> Just stretch it out. Drag
0: it out as far as we can.
2: <laughs> Do where I think so. We still don't know what's happening. Well, we know a little bit what's happening. There seems to be so far. A small trend out of the two out of two podcasts as far as content goes. But we can't, we still can't really say what anything's about or what's happening. Right. But yeah, we got a lot of positive feedback so far. So why not keep going? Right.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm really grateful for all the people who listened to the first episode and I I hope they'll keep listening as we progress. Yeah. Great. Uh, (laughs) what do we have? On the docket for this episode, Monique.
2: Well, Samuel, I'm so glad you asked. Very astute of you. We are going to talk about the new species of whale that was confirmed recently, Mm -hmm. called the Bryce's Whale, which was discovered off the Gulf of Mexico, in the Gulf of Mexico.
0: Yeah, in the Gulf. Yeah, just off the coast. Uh, is it Texas or Louisiana?
2: I looked in the map and it said their feeding ground is uh, 100 kilometers so- uh, south of an area in Alabama. So ah, okay, somewhere... Okay. I looked on the map and I couldn't quite find exactly
1: the spot that they mentioned one on the
0: phone Right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, I saw a little map of it, but it's like really tiny and just shows like somewhere between florida and texas yeah yeah and yeah yeah, so i was looking at like other whale species in their uh their territory where they're found usually and it was quite surprising to see rice's whale found in such a small spot considering that the majority of whales uh cover like an enormous amount of ground um like blue whales will be found almost anywhere on the ocean. Um, other species will cover either like the whole northern hemisphere or the whole southern fr- hemisphere in terms of oceans. And it was more like, I found that it was dolphins that were more likely to just uh, hang around a specific coast uh, the way this, that rises whales seem to. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I saw one article that talked about how it's uh, also not very surprising that they hadn't found them yet because they do, as opposed to some baleen whales in, within the other like other species within the under the umbrella of like baleen whales, mm-hmm. a lot of other whales. They uh, forage for food at the surface of the ocean mm-hmm. and rice as whales well, they actually go down and they uh, they feed at the bottom of the at the at this on the seabed i guess you would call it okay they're actually bottom feeders. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh-huh
1: uh-huh <laughs> bottom feeders yeah
0: bottom feeders yeah um. But I was looking too, like the the area where they live. It's only about 300. Well, they they die like the the sea floor is about three between 300 meters and a thousand thereabouts. Uh, or 13, yeah, I think it was about a thousand. Um, so it's not particularly deep. It's not like a, a very deep area. The Gulf, in general, so. Uh, because they're not feeding that deep. Yeah.
2: Not that deep, whales. <laughs> okay, but here's another... Uh Oh, I, should I bring in this fun fact about them or not yet? Oh, oh I don't know. It's like a juicy tidbit. A very nerdy juicy tidbit. Give it, give it. Tidbit. Okay. Whales sleep just under the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. And, um, they sleep at night, so a lot of people can't see them, but they just, they just, they sleep just under the surface of the water, Samuel. Hmm. Just, just there, just hanging out. Is this,
0: uh, 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 do they get hit by boats? On the regular, yeah. That's the bad part.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Sweet sleep. Yeah. Sweet sleep. Yeah. But yeah, that makes them more lucky unfortunately, susceptible to getting hit by ships, which mm-hmm. is why, going back, which made me think of what you were talking about, them um, being found, and they mostly hang out in such a small area, um, is they believe that they've been avoiding ship traffic, and so that they've um, populated in this one area, because it's a little bit more quiet, I suppose, there's not as much ship traffic in that area,
1: and mm-hmm. there is more yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, from what I read, they've been suspected to exist as a as a particular species since like twenty fourteen. There was like some trace DNA elements found that uh indicated that it was a different species from Bryce's whales, which is what this pod uh, was thought to belong to. Um and Bryce's whales and rice's whales, they all they they share like a very similar shape. They're um I as you said baleen whales, they're also known as ro rorquals. Yeah. Uh it's a particular that's kind of like subsection of them. And yeah. they are particularly long uh relative to their their width. Uh their circumference, oh, I guess. And it wasn't properly announced as a new species until recently because thanks to a beach whale that I think that they found and they were able to like properly study the the, the corpse, the carcass and determine that it was yeah. separate from Bryce's whales. Yeah. They
2: did a necropsy.
0: Necropsy. Right, and right, and right.
2: non-human. Autopsy right, right, right. on the whale, and it's always so sad when a whale is found beached or washed up on a shore because you think, oh God, you poor thing, what happened? Because they have a long lifespan. Yeah. And um, I was reading that that particular whale. They I didn't, I couldn't find the reason, uh, the cause of death. Mm-hmm. But they did find a piece of plastic in the whale's stomach that was about two inches by three inches which i always get a bit depressed about because i just think oh god the things that we pour into our oceans is just so awful what animals do anyways (laughs) i digress
0: (laughs) um but it made me think because um, of because of the area of the gulf where they are and stuff like the first thing i thought of was the Uh, deep water horizon explosion and oil spill that followed uh, in 2010. And I read that some estimates said that about half of of this whale population was affected by the horizon oil spill. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, like, it's in their area. It's right off And it was just like billions, uh, is it billions? Millions of gallons of barrels of oil uh, that were spilled over the course of... If I remember correctly, um, the spill started like April 20th, April 19th, somewhere around there, and it wasn't fully uh, plugged until September of that same year of 2010. Yeah, so it took quite a long time and there were like really uh conflicting estimates of how much oil was yeah. actually spilled. Uh BP ob- obviously wanted to minimize the extent of the blowout whereas independent and government uh observers wanted to I assume they wanted to get a more accurate uh readout of as to the oil output that went into the oceans. And not only was there the oil uh that presented a significant problem for all the aquatic life, not just the whales, but there was an unprecedented use of oil dispersants, which had never been done before. So there was a chemical dispersants thrown into the ocean in order to like break down the oil. And these chemicals were like not tested at this scale on like such a huge oil spill before. And there's no, I guess I could have, I didn't look into like what research has been done afterwards in terms of like the effect of the dispersants. Uh,
1: Um,
0: but, uh, yeah, it's just like trying to contain a chemical spill by adding more chemicals, more untested chemicals into the, into the water. Um, it was a big fiasco. I feel like I was really into the news that year. I was really into following Deepwater Horizon news, uh, because it was like such a significant event. And... Yeah, I remember I would stay up and listen to the news every night. um, And there was all these, like, contraptions that they were thinking of. Like, I honestly, like, to this day, I still don't understand exactly how an oil well works. (laughs) Uh, But I listened to, like, all these, like, different plants they had. There was, like, the top hat and the containment dome. And they had all these funny names for, like, the different apparatus that they were going to attempt to use. To seal it. But I think in the end, they just, there was the well and they drilled like a side well and were able to like pour mud and cement through it to like finally block it out. Uh, oh,
1: interesting.
0: Because it's blowing out like at such enormous pressures and force that it's like really difficult to like just put a cork on it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like put a little top hat on the
2: thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All in a day. <laughs> and there was even talk of like using like a bomb to like collapse the opening of the well I don't know how serious um, BP actually took that as an option or if that was just like speculation from you know amateur engineers or journalists or somebody else but it, they, it did come in are reporting about it that you know has that been considered an option and if i remember correctly there was an atomic bomb talked about as well as a, as like a possible way of blowing out the the opening and like collapsing it okay. and apparently this was used as a solution in like a remote part of Russia of the Soviet Union uh, way back in the sixties or seventies, for like a oh, uh, natural gas well that was out of control. Uh, oh
1: my gosh! Oh look, disaster. we must use it
2: for something.
0: Let's make it worse. That's yeah. Not,
2: oh my god! I
1: imagine.
0: I feel like that was a lot of the BP oil spill. It was just like a lot of uh which feels like a lot like the COVID crisis in some ways, you know, it's just like people attempting lots of things that are either rushed or poorly informed or both.
2: Sure. Reacting in the best way, maybe they think they can in an emergency situation. Sort of all hands on deck type of scenario. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You Were were you living in Alberta still at that time?
0: It was right before I moved here to Montreal, yeah.
2: Because uh, I was going to say, I think, I mean, I've never lived in Alberta, although I do have family that's from there. I still live there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know that, I mean, Alberta is such a a province in Canada that has such a huge, it's so reliant on the oil production
1: industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: So sometimes I'm kind of curious as to how how the media things it in Alberta um, when it comes to news about oil spills or things like this because yeah, just the province is just utterly so reliant on that industry.
0: To be honest, I wasn't rely I was relying on Coast to Coast AM for news about the BP oil spill. Uh, I found them to be very thorough. You know, like it's a four-hour yeah. show. With like tons of ads and they talk about whatever, but they spend like the first like 10 minutes talking about actual news Or they did at the time. I haven't listened to it in a long in like probably seven or eight years But uh, they actually Followed the story through Until the well was closed. So they would like touch on the BP oil spill all the way from April till September daily So it was like quite impressive. I feel like most news outlets abandon the story at some point, as you would, you know, like it becomes less critical Uh, or I guess the panic is not so, so present anymore, even though the, the oil spill may be getting worse, you know, I don't know. Coast to
2: Coast AM, is that a radio or a TV show? It's a
1: radio
0: show. What is radio? Yeah, they talk about aliens and UFOs and lots of supernatural stuff all the time. That's why it didn't make sense that they were covering BP oil spills so thoroughly. Uh, It's known for, it sort of showed like a lot of like truck drivers call in. It's a call in show as well. A lot of truck drivers are listening like through the night as they're driving and they'll call in and like ask questions. Like I saw a gnome the other day. What do you think it is? And I was like, or well, I remember the one time they, they they had a somebody come in who had like baits with unicorns. And that's what that was their claim. Bathed with
2: unicorns. They had a back with unicorns.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know, just just the guest was somebody who saw unicorns. Wow. So that gives you a sense of like what what kind of stuff happened. What kind of yeah. topics they brought up there on that show? Yeah.
1: It's very well known. Yeah. Uh, maybe in certain I circles, I, would, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In certain circles.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, in the paranormal circles um, I gravitate around. Yeah.
2: In the crop circles. Right. So, yeah.
0: They would talk about I crop circles. Oh my god. Nobody's talked about crop circles in such a long time. Yeah. What's right?
2: the deal? Oh, that should be our next show where we just talk about extra, <laughs> More extra things, but crop circles. We have to find, there must be some kind of UFO sighting from that. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: Yeah, I guess Um. In, when I still lived in Canada, well, especially on the west coast of Vancouver, mm-hmm. I, mean, I was a pretty avid CBC radio listener mm-hmm. back then, until there one news story. When I was living in Montreal, I listened to the news all the time. Uh, it was just the CBC was just Radio One was like on in the background,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, pretty consistently. But there was one news story in Montreal when I stopped listening to the news, it made me stop. And I, it was a story that for me was like so traumatizing. Actually, it was the way, and it was the way that it was reported on. It was a really sad story. Everybody knows it, um, and. It just became just totally, definitely not sensationalized, but uh, they were just reporting the facts. but it was just the repetition Mm -hmm. and these really gory details that I were just hammered into my brain every 30 minutes because of the news being on every half hour, and then on the hour being longer stories. And because I was in Montreal, and it was a story that the situation happened in Montreal, and the person... Uh, who was the victim was a student at the school I went to. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it was just it just felt it was and it was so horrific. And and on the other way, another on the other hand, um, later on I found out that there was actually some things where I thought, oh, strange. Like the media had sort of twisted some things where right. I felt like. Eh. Anyways, it was just. Yeah, ever since then, uh, that was kind of the point where I sort of stopped listening to the radio very often.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And now, now I listen to the radio more. I would say much more often here in Germany, just because, well, lots because of lots of different reasons. But um, particularly since the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, just trying to stay up to date and everything. But I have never listened to the radio as often as I used to it since then. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of. I always thought that was sort of a, a curious phenomenon for me That I mean I even grew up listening to the radio yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. CBC
2: was always on in the background I remember on the weekends you know uh, in the afternoons there would be definitely not the opera was so Lee. Mm-hmm. you know listen to that show and I remember even before uh, it became DNTO the coolified <laughs> version I remember well it's still cool mm-hmm. but it wasn't as cool because as you know obviously she's got right. Um but uh yeah and all these other all these other shows. So I remember like growing up with that and and really even like recognizing when like the different radio hosts had changed. Like I remember when I think I remember when Peter Zosky had his last show or listening <laughs> that name and sounds then graduating. Familiar, but I don't
0: think I ever listened to him. Yeah.
2: No? Mm-hmm. He had a really interesting voice. Um, hmm. And then, yeah, like, European Goth, I remember listening to CBC Radio hmm. 2 eventually, because I thought, oh, I should get really into, like, the classical music. Right. Anyway, it, it was an interesting thing.
0: <laughs> I feel like but,
2: I, yeah, I... I love radio as a medium.
1: It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I feel like I've uh, shifted over to listening to podcasts more often than the radio. Yeah, me too. And yeah. we listen to, like, current event podcasts as opposed to the radio uh and that's shifted too from like listening to more straight up news to more like funny commentary podcasts which still cover the news but the you know it's just like people trying to make jokes at the same time a little bit uh not in the same way that like like it's not like the daily show where it's like scripted joke after joke after joke okay. it's just kind of like people being a little bit outraged and a little bit uh, surprised by the news and then making a couple of jokes about it and then then talking about it. Uh,
1: Wait,
0: uh, isn't that what we're doing? Huh? Yeah, kind of of like what we're doing, right? Uh,
2: Wait a second.
0: (laughs) But I also feel like um, I had a little kind of like falling out with CBC as well. I feel like and it goes with the changing of hosts as well. Um, but also like with extreme disappointment at times when they cover stories poorly, which uh, I find that a lot of times when they're covering American news, instead of having a nuanced uh, or original perspective on it, They'll just follow like mainstream uh either republican or de- democratic talking points in a very kind of like um unthought kind of way where analysis doesn't seem to to match what I've been reading about this story right and it's kind of disappointing to have uh I can't think of any concrete examples right now where that happened. I'm pretty sure it happened around like uh early uh 2010s when Edward Snowden's story was coming out and precisely what was happening around him and why he was uh why he ended up in exile in Russia as opposed to anywhere else um but uh in American media like in CNN and, and, like, MSNBC and stuff like that, they often they've, they've, they've gotten into a habit of, like, hiring former CIA or FBI or uh, national intelli- intelligence people as they commentators.
2: Have. I didn't know they hired, though. Okay, yeah. So it's know, like, the, oh, yeah. you
0: served us 10 years as director of the CIA, and now you're kind of, you're a uh, National Intelligence Reporter, Special Commentator for CNN is like what? Like clearly, this person has a biased and a v- vested interest in promoting the agency he worked with for however long. But you know, they, they're presented as like this neutral commentator with experience. And I was like, mm, well, yes, well, no. <laughs>
1: Oh, hmm. I
2: you know I mean I mean okay there's lots of since I think in Germany we have new, different news outlets of course they run the gamut from you know being uh more academic intellectual i would say less accessible mm-hmm. for like a little person I, i'll just put it that way mm-hmm. and of course there's like other publications or media outlets that you know run more sensationalized stories, but in comparison to the United States, when I see now, like, clips of CNN, it is bonkers compared to what my experience has been living in Germany here. German news seems so stoic in comparison, and of course that's a, I mean, of course that's a bit of a stereotype, but I I think I can safely say that it is true, though. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think I can think of Anything that would be in comparison. and I'm talking like German language
1: mm-hmm.
2: media outlets. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's just totally bloopers to me when I see things like that. Now. I mean, of course, I've been here for been living in Germany for what seven and a half years now.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, um, seven and a half, so, so long. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. weird.
2: Yeah, you know, I was in Montreal for eight years and then this July. Wow. Is it this July? Or oh, no, beginning of August, I think like first of August or something like this. I will have been in uh, Germany for eight years too. So it's like eight and eight.
1: Yeah. And it
2: sort of feels a little bit like these two infinity symbols, like, <laughs> 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 like almost, almost 16 years since I left Vancouver. Yeah. But, oh. Yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit strange. Well, when did you, you've been, well,
1: you've also left
0: Calgary, about what? I left in 2010, uh, in October 2010. That's when I got to Montreal. So. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in my 11th year here. Uh, and I feel like, yeah, it's probably, I don't know. I I guess I ha- I've had an urge to get out. At some point uh it comes and goes, but uh I'm still undecided as to like what the what next step should be, whether it should you know stay here or and continue uh, living <laughs> in a province that is just as messed up as Alberta in sure. so many yeah. ways. And maybe and messed up in unique ways as well. Uh it's a very weird experience being in Quebec, mm-hmm. I find. And
1: especially at this time.
0: Yeah. I mean like we could get into like the pandemic messaging or whatever, but maybe I'm not so eager for to get into it right now. <laughs> But oh, it's so bad. Um it has been excruciating mixed message uh, being sent over and over again. And yeah, I feel like the there wasn't an, there's an intriguing Thing of the uh, part of the intrigue of like the deep water horizon, uh, disaster is just, I guess it gives you an insight into what crisis management is, uh, yeah. and how poor it can go in so many ways, in so many directions at once. Um, and how the blame was like really spread out um uh, in many different directions uh and people trying to well like you know like the the head of b p like quit his job shortly after, or during the middle of it, I can't remember uh somebody new t- took over this a whole p r machine trying to make it seem like it's not that bad um yeah it's it's uh i feel like that's kind of of like a compressed version of like what uh large crisis management looks like and how bad it can go and how there's this um real desire for it to just go away without him to do all that much or you know like um at some point, for the people who are in charge of it, a crisis becomes a PR problem. You know, because their image is suffering, not because of the enviro- our environmental damage or, I guess, like as right now with the coronavirus, the real kind of like human loss experienced by everybody. Uh, which is, yeah, it's uh, this bizarre other world that it seems like leadership leads you into that most of us don't get to experience i guess not not on such an impactful scale Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: yeah yeah and then somehow you know through these situations um i mean yeah, we get through it. We become resilient, but I think also it's very curious the way that media changes our perspective so quickly and so drastically often. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was someone, there have been a few people that have mentioned the idea of, Oh, uh, I wonder how quickly we'll forget about this. And right. I, my, the thought that keeps coming to my head, it's like, I don't know. I think at this time in like the, in human evolution with the use of technology, uh, I'm very curious to see what'll happen in the next like five, ten years,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Well, regardless. But, especially when it comes to the pandemic, as far as a remembrance versus forgetting. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think people will ever really forget.
1: That's
0: I think it'll be marked. Perce- yeah. You know, like, the, the mark will stay for a while. Um... But I'm also thinking it's it's kind of curious how this global phenomenon will be remembered very differently from one part of the world to another, and sure, um, in places where, because I'm originally from Honduras, right, and I get like little snips snippets of information from family about what's going on over there. And basically, life has returned to normal, except oh, really? they just—they're just living with it. So people are getting infected, and people are dying, but it's just treated as is, as is, uh, as if it's a part of normal life now. Um, so I wonder if that traumatic impact on the psychology of the population as a whole. You know like having to go through lockdowns and uh, being afraid of catching it or passing it on Uh, I wonder how it'll be different in a place where they just gave up on it Um, and where mortality rates were already higher to begin with and life expectancy was already lower to begin with and you know this concentration of people at risk wasn't quite so high because they you know because you, mm-hmm. in poorer countries they still have multi-generational multi-generational households to a higher degree than we do here so you don't have all your old people concentrated in one spot in an old folks home um uh, so I, I don't know. Like you, I hear stories from like different countries. I remember like, hearing about Ecuador at the beginning and how terrible things were, uh, and then yeah, in other countries where they've they've actually like like Vietnam, where they've managed, uh, or Uruguay, where they've been able to like keep infection rates very low, and have responded seemingly very efficiently to the to the crisis um, i yeah i don't know i feel like everybody will have like a different and i I wonder if i lived in a somewhere else other than here in montreal in canada what my experience would be like if i was in a poorer country that dealt, dealt with it very poorly would i be laughing at Montreal lockdowns, Quebec lockdowns, and being like, look at the look at those white people panicking uh, yeah. over nothing.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: it's oh, just geez. it's just
0: the flu. I'll probably just be saying that it's just the flu, guys. It's just a bad flu. Whatever.
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Context can change everything.
0: Uh, yeah. Definitely. I remember. Well, sure. Or. Yeah. Mhm.
2: No, go
0: ahead. When I was in Calgary last summer, uh, I I self-isolated in an Airbnb for a few days, uh, for like a week, and the guy who lives upstairs, he he told me that COVID wasn't a big deal, that it was nothing, that he had it in March of 2020, and it wasn't so bad. Yeah. He was just in bed for three weeks. <laughs> and I <I'm>, was <laughs> just like, well, I can't remember the last time a flu put me out for three weeks where I was in bed. That's never happened. How do that? That's never
2: happened to me before. Hmm. hmm.
1: Yeah. It's just a flu. Yeah.
2: Did he mention anything about his sense of taste and smell? Mm-hmm. still No, been gone? I
0: feel like at that point I just kind of like stepped back and. Yeah. You do you. And <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <God>. I really.
2: <laughs> walk
0: yeah.
2: Away. Oh gosh. Mm. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> The pandemic.
1: It's an exhausting thing.
2: It's interesting. It wasn't, yeah, it's super exhausting. I, it's so curious because we don't script our conversations or anything, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's super interesting to see how we got to this point because <laughs> I actually, honestly, Samuel, I actually wasn't sure if through these podcasts we were ever going to mention the pandemic other than like, oh, 2020, real stick in the mud, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know? And uh, so it's, it's interesting. I think it's, of course, I mean, we, we, like, like we talked about at the beginning of this show and the, the last episode, we don't exactly know what we're doing and we don't really have a plan other than like a very rough sketch. Yeah. So I think it's really nice to bring it up in this way.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And also, yeah, it's important. I mean, cause it is happening and it's not like we can just, it's just the reality Mm-hmm. And I think what really strikes me sometimes, and I don't want to be totally doomsday, uh, because I know my words can sometimes be. Uh, anyways, real talk.
0: Go for it.
1: The thing is,
2: <laughs> I think that sometimes I'm really, it really strikes me when people mention things like when the quote, when things go back to normal.
0: And
2: so. Right. And there is, <laughs> There actually, the thing is, there is no normal. What is normal? Right. The normal is the reality that we are faced with in the present moment. And that is, that is your normal somehow. And yeah. every single being has a different normal. Every human has a different lived experience and situation than you. I don't know, it's such a strange thought to me just saying, Oh, when it'll go back to normal. Because the, th- the things that need to, would need to happen to set up a situation to put it back to, quote, normal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How how do you, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the this ball is rolling already and it's not like, I, I don't think you can just, it cannot be reversed as easily as some people think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry everybody. I'm just gonna say it. I know it's sad. I know it's fucking sucks. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that there is this sort of acceptance. Although I had this period of like mourning, um I mean I've been so busy lately that um mm-hmm. take time to think has been challenging. But uh no, some days ago I did have this moment realizing that I was sort of mourning the past that I Or like the, the normal, not, I don't, again, not really the word normal, but like the things that I found in my regular life, so mm-hmm. to speak before, that I can't find, that I don't have now, yeah. and that will change in the future. That's just the way it is. Anyway, there was definitely this period of, oh my God, it's never going to be the same, or it's not the same now, and right. who knows how it will develop. Future. It's a really strange uh time to be uh, in the stage of the lockdown, especially in Germany when everything is still like it's only essential services that are open until the beginning of March, and we're waiting
1: uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: to know how, like what will be reopened, when, if right. things will be reopened. Many cases have gone specific. down
0: a lot, right? Like everywhere else, you know.
2: Cases are definitely going down. It's been going well, but it's not where they want it to be.
0: Of course. They
1: yeah, isolated
2: yeah. the new area that, that broke out here in Berlin at one of the
0: yeah.
2: uh, university hospital. Anyways. Uh,
0: We're in a very different situation here yeah. in which, um, like I said, n- the messaging is bad. Uh, at the slightest sign of like positive developments they start trying to reopen things again which just leads to more contagion (laughs) so we're in this endless it feels like we're in an endless cycle of like half measures and there's never going to be uh, a decisive moment where the government decides that Uh, hard lockdown and zero tolerance for COVID is the right course of action, right? We look at other countries like New Zealand and Australia and Taiwan and uh, where things are going much better and people haven't had to, you know, like the psychological impact on people is not, seems from this distance from over here it seems like it's not as bad because they've been able to return to whatever their normal was Uh, or you know something that resembles that normal a bit more than we have yeah Uh, uh, i feel like when i first started i was kind of like pessimistic you know But not pessimistic enough. (laughs)
1: Mm.
0: I was like, sometime in April of 2020, I was like, we're going to be dealing with this until at least November. And and people were like, what? No, it's only going to be a few weeks. And I was like, no, 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 November, my friend. Won't see any of you till November. Finger
2: (laughs) whey.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it took me a while before I, I was reading
0: more like in depth studies or commentary about it. And, and, you know, reading that some, many virologists and epidemiologists were like, it's going to be about three years to three and a half. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I remember a friend of mine at the very beginning of the pandemic sent me an article. I think it was we were like two weeks in. And we were talking, and she was like, it's gonna be two years.
1: Right. And
2: I said, yeah, you're probably right. And I had this sort of just this sense of, cause it was, it was also strange. I mean, for me, my, uh, job contract, cause I had, had decided not to extend the contract of my job. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a whole other, uh, can of worms. Anyways, um, but yeah, so my job, my last day at work at that job was March 3rd. And then actually, oh I God. was, yeah. I did get a cold, which I think was probably COVID. Uh, I was sick for about two and a half weeks. We've talked about this before, but mm-hmm. um, for anyone else out there who's interested. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, and then, yeah, and then the lockdown here hit. Super suddenly, as it did for most of us, March yeah. 14th, and um, and then that was it. And I was already unemployed and felt like, oh crap, <laughs> this is a big reality <laughs> check. What am I gonna do now? Um, anyways, yeah, and then the rest is history, as they say.
0: But I remember, yeah, and I've mentioned this to a few friends before. The shock I still have at the fact that. In January, we were watching China build hospitals in, like, 10 yeah. days, you yeah. know, and, like, this massive response to the virus, and yet we still couldn't conceive how it would impact us.
2: No. I remember having, at my when I was, that was, because uh, I was still at my old job, and I remember, two situations. One, mm-hmm. I had a work call. That we were talking to a new potential partner in Shanghai, mm-hmm. and we spoke to them over Zoom. First of all, that was the first time I'd ever used Zoom, and I felt like, what is this? <laughs> and second, you know, they had been in lockdown for months already at that point, uh, and you know, checking in with them, trying to be really sensitive to their situation, and but yeah it's still feeling so far away and then right. when uh, uh when was that then i guess i suppose it was probably end of january or early february uh there was of course the uh, the breakout of the pandemic in italy right and one of my bosses uh had to go well she had it had been planned that she would go to bergamo mm-hmm. exactly the epicenter of the break of the <laughs> pandemic. We are supposed to go there to meet with a new potential uh, partner for, for a potential contract. And I remember we talked about it a lot because I worked really closely with her at my position at that job. And we spoke about it a lot, like the pros and cons, like, should she go? Should she not? It's an important contract. What should she do? And, you know, being in Berlin, you go to Italy. She loves Italy. You know, she would very be very happy to go
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, anyways we were you know you know of course I had to research like okay how long would it take to get there and then, and then all, all was the logistics and then yeah you know thank goodness of course she she declined the invitation to go there mm-hmm. and then, but I just think back now like how naive we were how could we possibly even think that that was like even okay but I think yeah because the, the thought of the pandemic because it still hadn't come to Berlin yet or come to, really mm-hmm. to Germany in such a way as it had there. Yeah. Maybe we had had some isolated cases that they had detected by them in the country, but not the breakout um, that we, that we then had. No. And the thought just looking back now, it's so ri- so ridiculous, but of course, yeah. What are you supposed to do? Your first encounter with something, you're not immediately going to go into panic mode until you like really comprehend what the situation is like, yeah,
0: so and I surprised. feel like there's also anyway, it's a funny funny how much we've learned over the ne- over the last few uh, over the last year to like understanding exponential growth and how yeah a trickle of cases can turn into a large number of cases really quickly and yeah i could. There, there there's this funny uh progress and not progress that we make collectively in understanding the pandemic or in misunderstanding the pandemic um, I feel like the stories that were told early on still persist even though they've been debunked or completely changed. Uh, I remember like world leaders and health, like, you know, the WHO themselves were like saying masks are not, you know, they probably make it worse. Um, And that's completely changed. Uh, The whole idea that children, mistaking the phrase, children are not so susceptible to it with children are not contagious. Those are like super different things, but they kind of kind of got mashed together and a lot of places just like reopened their school including Montreal and Quebec uh reopened schools very a little bit more quickly than they should have and that's putting it generously uh, yeah there's there's a lot of misunderstanding that persists and there's a lot of uh, kind of knowledge that we gained as, as we Uh, Yeah. You know how we became, every time there's a new war started by the Americans, we learn a bit about geography. Um, You know, now we know where Fallujah is. And. uh,
1: and,
0: Yeah. So now we're like a bunch of amateur virologists uh, on the internet.
2: Oh God, that's a really interesting topic, actually. Uh, for different reasons, I've been thinking about like the idea of amateurship. Is that a word, English? Amateurship. Mm-hmm. It is now. Anyway, uh, yeah, the idea of being an amateur, or anything. I think that's so. It's so particular to the time we're living in, actually. in a lot of different ways, we can talk about that on another mm-hmm. show. But yeah, um.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. How? It's yeah. It's it's a funny thing where I think we we all have fallen into this fallacy at some point or another, where you know we observe something enough that we think we're an expert on it, even though we may not be precisely. Um, there was uh, I watch boxing lots, and I follow it closely. And there was a promoter, Bob Aram. He he's been around since like the '60s. He the guy is like nine over 90 years old, and he's still like working. You know, he you still see him like ringside at the fights, or you know like you know re- he's there. He's going everywhere. He's still traveling. Uh, and he came up with a funny portmanteau for like uh, for this type of like situation where somebody is. Watching boxing so much that they think they know what the next step should be. You know, they, they're, they're an expert. He called them fanagers. You know? It's a fan that thinks they could be a better manager than he could. Yeah.
1: That's funny. Managers. So do you think that the
2: majority of the human race at this point of our evolution are fanagers?
0: We are a bunch of virus fanagers. <laughs>
2: oh my god oh god manager I guess that would be I, I would like to see that on someone's LinkedIn profile oh god, oh god. Um, what's the word for it that often people use in like in tech um, oh a creative generalist
0: oh my god yeah creative generalist
2: General, generalist manager manager generalist can't decide which order I like those words in. The
0: yeah. Management oh. consultant.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> management consulting at your service. <laughs> L El- Management LLC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of management, this is the worst segue ever. I didn't get to any of the associations I wanted to talk about with these whales. What? There were so many associations I had. Should I just list them? you, you want to do throw something out? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Go for it.
2: Uh, okay, so here is here is my sort of brain map when we said that we would talk about this new species of whales.
0: Things that rhyme with whale. Go.
2: <laughs> Christian bale.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Water bale. <pail. laughs>
2: Oh, I I like drawing blanks. I want to keep going, but
0: <laughs> shake your tail. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Whales tail feather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways.
1: Okay, okay, he- <laughs> happy. okay. So,
2: first things on the list. First thing, very important.
1: Mm-hmm. As
2: I was a kid, um, that I well, I spent some of my youth in the nineties.
1: Mhm.
2: Ready for it? Very mm-hmm. obvious association. Mm-hmm. Free Willy. Free oh, Willy, yeah. everybody. Free Willy. You remember Free Willy?
0: I remember Free Willy.
2: I think I watched also the sequel, like Free Willy 2,
1: right. but I
2: looked it up, and apparently there's even a Free Willy 3, yeah. and then another one that has oh. to do with pirates, I don't understand. <laughs> what? But Free Willy was, made a huge impression. I'll never forget... Going into that theater with a bag full of snacks that my mom's like always smuggled in because you know, we were yeah, snack yeah. smugglers. Yeah. In movies. Uh, and yeah, and I think we weren't really allowed junk food, but I remember it was around the time where they came up with that Coca-Cola that was transparent.
0: Oh, yeah. Wasn't Pepsi? Do you remember?
2: It could have been Pepsi.
0: Clear Pepsi. Oh, clear Pepsi.
2: Soda pop. Anyways, yes, but it was clear.
1: Yeah.
2: He's definitely there. And I remember there's some sort of association with that in my brain. But I remember seeing Freelie really in the theater and being very, because my family, I mean, my mom, in the 90s, she read Diet for a New America. Okay. That book about exposing all the industrial farming. Mm-hmm. And we had family friends who were big against animals in captivity. Mm-hmm. And I that movement in Vancouver. And so actually we would go off. I would say often for a while to mm-hmm. protest at the Vancouver Aquarium against, to protest against the whales. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so Free Willy came out at that time around those years as well. And, anyways, it was just this big package of whale.
1: Huh.
2: Big whale, whale, whale of a <laughs> time. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, well, Free Willy.
2: Okay, another association Pinocchio.
0: Why? Oh right, it's swallowed by a whale. Yeah. Right? I'm like, but the whales are not lying. What are you talking about, Pinocchio? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Long nosed Pinocchio. Yeah. Um whose dad was a hard worker, you uh, know?
0: Yeah.
2: Was he nice?
0: I think so. What's his name? Geppetto? Yeah, he
2: yeah. was a cobbler.
0: He was a cobbler. Yeah. Wasn't okay. he? I have no idea. I, I thought it would be like a puppet maker? Marionette oh. maker?
2: <laughs> I thought he made shoes. Oh, we're going to have to check this, everybody. Well, maybe
0: he was a shoemaker. Yeah. I have no idea.
2: Maybe he was a shoemaker.
0: I just mean Regardless, because, he made... B-
2: Pinocchio.
0: Because Pinocchio was a marionette. I assumed that was yes. his primary occupation. No. Well, I was, just remember... Maybe he was just an amateur marionette maker.
2: But also a cobbler. I just remember photos of Cheppetto and he looked really tired.
0: Yeah, well, he was old. You know? Well, the Disney guy is pretty old. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah the Disney guy is older. We're going to have to look this up, Sam. We're going to do some hardcore fact checking.
0: Imagine having your first kid in your 60s.
2: Oh, that, no wonder he's tired. And he made this kid. No wonder the, the kid went
0: astray. Yeah.
2: No wonder. Jeez. Okay. Um
0: mm-hmm.
2: wait, I have to check my notes here. Okay, I can't really read my writing like most of the time. Oh <laughs> okay. Blowhole.
0: Do you know that they have twin blowholes?
2: I saw that online, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's what makes the rice whale, uh, unique
1: uh-huh.
2: in comparison to what they thought it they were the rice whales because apparently the other baleen whales they have different bone structure around the blowhole.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay.
2: What would you do if you had a hole in the top of your head where the air came out of? I mean, I guess you would just be the way things were. I, would, I guess you that just would.
0: that would be my normal. Yeah. <laughs> your normal. <laughs> breathe out of the top of your head yeah
2: maybe be so embarrassing to be around people <laughs> and then to laugh at something really hard and then just like
0: no. just not comes stash. out behind you <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you can tell okay anyway they can tell species of whales too like from a distance by this shape and type of stream that comes out of their blowhole am I making that up Maybe I am.
2: I don't know. Um, you know, I've never been whale watching before, but on the west coast, well, also there's whale watching. You can go off the uh, in Quebec as well. Apparently. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I've I've seen whales on, on the Saint Lawrence. Yeah. Oh. Well, well, the Saint yeah. Lawrence turns into the, uh, the Atlantic, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably
2: they, I've, I've never seen. I think I've seen whales from a far distance on a ferry, like going from. Mainland of Vancouver to Vancouver Island okay. so, like just a little spritz, but yeah, nothing. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, like, outside. I've only seen them from pretty far away, too. Uh, yeah. But I've seen them in a few different places.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Moby Dick, that's another famous one. No. Right. right?
1: Moby Dick, very
0: yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Very famous. Have you read it? A few times. I've read it like three times. It's an incredible novel. Wow. Um And there's also, yeah, it's, it's fascinating by how flawed it is, too. Uh, and flawed, maybe, is not the right word. It's just it's not written very consistently. Uh, like, you can tell that there's uh, particular characters that appear early in the no- novel that perhaps were intended to be primary characters but then are just completely dropped off uh at points the it seems like um the author is just having fun with the with the novel as well like there's some scenes written like a script uh like a play so uh Yeah, there's a lot of like voice shifts and character shifts in the novel and, uh, how it starts or how, you know, when, when you read the first few chapters, the intention seems very different than how the novel finishes. So there's like this progression of intentions, I guess, of, of how the narrative, uh, will develop, uh, it's quite fascinating. I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's a really good book. And it really gives you like a crash course on what whaling would have been like in the mid-19th century. Uh, because he, the the narrator goes into great details as to like what a whale is, the debate as to whether a whale is a fish or a mammal, which at the time we wasn't certain. Or, or you know, it there, there wasn't a mammal, it was a cetacean. Uh, which is kind of like the nomenclature that has like remained around them. Um, to distinguish them from fish. Uh, he tells you precisely what part of the whales they're harvesting and how they're, you know, collecting the whale carcasses uh, out of the ocean. So there, there's this incredible like realist and very kind of like scientific approach to like uh, the examination of a whale, whaling vessel that appears to, along with the whole narrative about Ahab and his own personal vendetta and demons and whatnot. Yeah, so yeah, there's 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 a whole uh, interesting uh, multiple things happening in the novel that uh, make it interesting. Yeah, that's good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Little plug for Moby Dick. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: so, were there any other associations that you didn't get to bring up?
0: Um, Not really. Ah, there was one thing that I intended to do, but I didn't get to. Um, yeah. Which was watch the Star Trek movie about whales. There, I can't remember which one it is. Oh. <gasps> But you know what yeah, it's
2: well, I didn't that but that's it. that's it. yeah that I think it's goal. like Star
0: Trek four or something like that or three, I have no idea. Where they have to go to the back in time to like San Francisco in the present day, like the mid eighties, and rescue some whales because you know they're essential for the ecosystem, whatever. I ca I don't I don't know the full story. I just know that they it's one of those things where, like, they've scheduled a sequel, but they don't have the budget, so, for, like, an elaborate set in space, so they just set the movie in present day. Like, uh, maybe the most famous example of that is maybe He-Man, the movie that came out in, like, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and He-Man is, like, the cartoon takes place in this alternate universe completely, but the live action movie took place on earth for some reason. And they had to change the whole story because, you know, it's like, oh, there's just human has to go to New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gets on the, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because of uh, <laughs> a, a time, time tunnel, whatever. Yeah. Dimensional Rift.
2: I red. think it New York City. Oh yeah. my God.
0: Yeah. Anyway, is well, there more? Are there more things on your list for associations?
2: Oh. I think that was it. I have a bunch of things I wrote down. Hmm. Oh, there was one thing about Earth Camp. Earth Camp. And we, we, no, we went to Earth Camp in grade four. We went to Earth Camp with my best friend. So, okay, Earth Camp. Um, I think it actually was called Earth Keepers. And it was this camp we went to Uh, for... I don't think we were there for a week. It may have just been a few days. It probably felt like an eternity. But, yeah. Um, any Anyhow, I we went there um in elementary school. And... It was actually, uh, on the area, on the, on the grounds of a Baptist church mm-hmm. summer camp. And during the year, like the off season, I suppose, or some parts of the off season, um, some, another group would rent the campsite, or the camp area, and, um, kids from different schools would come.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and they would do these environmentalist, uh, camp sessions there. Mm-hmm. So, we went to Earth Keepers camp and it was on an island called keats Island There was which i haven't i don't know if I've been back to since, but it's on one it's on one of the Gulf islands off the coast of earthkeeper and you had to take a ferry to get there you know, it's this whole rigmarole.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: um anyhow and then we arrived and then when we were there, we learned all these things about consumption uh sort of life cycles in nature, mm-hmm. uh, and there were different things we had to participate in to really make us, to develop our awareness as to our consumption as human animals mm-hmm. and our impact on the environment. Mm-hmm. And, for example, one of the things was there was a big banner in the, the, the eating hall, and when we were there for meals, you'd always hear a big banner that said something like, take what you need, and leave the rest or something to that effect. Right. Uh, and there was, we would sit at these long tables, and I remember there being like a big bucket, some kind of big pail at the end of each table, and whatever you couldn't finish on your plate, you have to scrape into the bucket, mm-hmm. and at the end of the meal, when everyone was finished eating, you had to take all the buckets from each table outside, We dig a big hole, and dump all the contents of the buckets into the hole, and bury it. Okay. So that very conscious like that you didn't finish your dinner so and <laughs> dig a hole and take care of it and things like this and, I thought you, you know, were going to say was... that everybody
0: pulled it together and then everybody had to finish it Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they made it into a smoothie and everyone got a straw
1: this um, is going to be breakfast you know. yeah.
2: but one of the things when we before we went to the camp one of the main leaders of this camp to prepare us to go to Earth Keepers' camp, he came and did a presentation uh, to us in different groups. And we learned that before we went, we needed to change our names. We need to take on a name that we chose ourselves from the natural in, from, from nature, from the environment. Hi, so I
1: for agree.
2: example yeah. <laughs> exactly. And for example, one name that was taken was fungi. Because okay. one of the other computers, leaders, his name was Fun Guy,
1: so Got that was it. taken,
2: that was opposite. Of yeah. I don't remember what mine was. Anyways, my best friend, hers, was Orca. Nice. And I remember thinking, oh. like, wow, that's fucking hot. That's that is yeah. spicy. Yeah. That's a great name. <laughs> good job. So hers was Orca. And everyone had to make their own little name tag, and it had to be some kind of handmade material. So of course, my best friend Orca, obviously she also was super creative, uh, and she had made hers out of wood, mm-hmm. and she had gotten help from one of her parents to like use a wood burning pen and like draw Whoa. through the outline of a bowl, and Whoa. then wrote Orca like oh super neat because I remember she had amazing handwriting. And I don't remember what my name was, but it was definitely some sort of like scratched on like a, well, maybe a piece of wood, something comes to mind, like a piece of soap, but I don't think I carved it my name type out of soap. I'm pretty sure it was some kind of wood. In there. And there were different examples that were kind of shown to us as inspiration. Right. And then we had to kill her for that. So, yeah, when you went to the island, you were no longer... I was no longer Monique. I was... God, I wish I knew the name of the pedicure. Anyway, my best friend was Orca.
1: Hmm. Okay. Was fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> she was cool.
0: <laughs> when I was looking through... You we know, were trying to do a little bit of research on whales. Um, one thing that, you know, I had no idea about... Uh, looking at all the classes of cetaceans all the types of cetaceans so there's whales and dolphins and porpoises yeah um and i had no idea there were so many so many types of dolphins and that they could be so colorful as well um and they're colorful in the same way that orcas are you know there seems to be like grays whites and blacks but You have, like, striped dolphins. Like, they look like zebras, you know? Zebras of the sea. Zebras of the sea.
2: There are zebras of the... Zebras of the sea. Okay, guys, I know it's not funny. Zebras of the sea. Can I play some whale sounds now? Yeah. I
1: don't if to What?
0: Are these whale sounds?
1: Yeah, it's half even intense.
2: I don't know. I thought I heard a seagull there for a second.
0: I don't know what if that, I that was. I have to
2: look at the reviews of this one hour long sounds and songs <laughs> at
0: the whole You should have so just played that in, as it? the background music and just talked over it the whole time. <laughs> it's kind of
1: fun.
2: Thanks to YouTube user Gentle Persuasion I think <laughs> Thema? Thema? or Oh, no. sorry. Maybe I'm reading in German so I might be Tema. Anyway. Mm. Just a little taste, a little je ne sais quoi. For everybody yeah. what do you think Samuel should we wrap it up yeah 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 Yeah.
0: I think so you're being
2: so professional giving a hand signal, and I'm just like <laughs> what?
0: What? What? what
1: what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> what what <laughs> what would you do it
0: with your hands there yeah
1: uh. <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> gesundheit <laughs> um <laughs> thank you.
0: Right. Oh my God. Well. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Do so, you have so I guess like, we we end each episode with like, uh, thank you. Uh, we yeah. each do a thank you to like, whatever we would like to thank. Uh, yeah. At this moment, and I'll start. I feel like mine's a pretty easy one considering my current situation. I would like to thank, very much, my friends who are letting me use their toilet this weekend. Uh, Yeah. It's very thoughtful of them, and very nice. I'm glad they're close by. Yeah, that's it. I love your friends, and I
1: love that they also have toilets.
2: (laughs) I would like to thank... I would like to thank the random stranger that uh, I saw in a kiosk. I don't know how you say that in English, like a corner store. Mm-hmm. Uh, a,
0: a couple dip- days ago,
2: I was buying. Pardon me. A depanneur. A
1: depa
2: a a dep. A dep. A dep. A dep. kind of thing. Uh This one mostly sold like chocolate bars and newspapers and cigarettes and lotto tickets.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and, yeah, I went in there to buy a newspaper for my partner as a little gift, and I was had to wait outside for a long time, and there was somebody behind me. And then, you know, because, of course, there's only a few people allowed in this shop as, at, at one time
1: mm-hmm.
2: at the moment. And even through masks and everything, I came in, and finally, when... Some people had left, and I had my newspaper, and I was ready to buy it, and the person working didn't notice that, you know, we, I had arrived first, or the other person had arrived first. Anyways, it was sort of, let's confusion of, like, who should be able to purchase their goods right. first, because there was a second sort of little part of the counter where this other person was standing, And the person really made a point of saying, no, no, she should go first, you know, allowing me to go first, and... The person was so nice about it, and we were just, even with the masks and the situation and everything, yeah, it was just a really sweet and, like, friendly, random stranger encounter of, like, oh, ha, ha, ha mm-hmm. you go first, no problem, and I wasn't even, you know, I actually really don't care in those situations, so I'm not really the type of person to be like, hey, was here first, and, you know, let me make my purchase, <laughs> just on principle, it doesn't bother mm-hmm. me, that sort of stuff. Uh, and yeah, it was really sweet. That anyway, it was small. Might maybe I didn't describe it as well as I could have, but yeah, it was sweet and nice. And it was a nice moment to like sort of chuckle with strangers again. Right, which yeah. I feel like doesn't happen as often as they. Yeah. yeah. So. It's
1: okay. yeah.
0: All right. Well. Yes, thanks for uh, listening
2: to a panel everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to Sound Digressions and uh we'll see you we'll talk to you again soon. We'll talk to you
2: again soon. Or you can follow us on social media hopefully.
0: Yeah, we're we're almost I think we're kind of ready to have our social media back up. But we don't know. Our Twitter account has been suspended and our Instagram is Underwater, and so we're thinking of starting a Facebook page and maybe we'll do a TikTok because yeah. nobody gets banned oh, from TikTok.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's what everybody does. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. You can follow us on Instagram at, at sound digressions, the way it should be spelled. And on Twitter, when it comes up, yeah. it's one less, do, so it's sound digressions, so but with only one D in it.
0: Right, the D does double the work
1: yes <laughs> okay on that note woo woo <laughs> uh,